Welcome to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast, a series of conversations designed to equip our listeners with helpful insights necessary to simplify the critical decision points of life. We believe true wealth is the thing money cannot buy and death cannot take away. Furthermore, we also believe our calling is to enable others to fulfill their own. And to that end, we endeavor. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Welcome in again to the Wisdom and Wealth Podcast. I'm Josh Clues, and I am the Senior Wealth Planner here in the Woodlands, Texas. Today I'm joined um, by Scott Schloffman from our tax team in, and our Carson uh, Group Tax and Accounting team in uh, Colorado. Um, I'm going to let Scott go ahead and introduce himself here real quick, but before that, uh, we will get into real estate transactions specifically. And since I'm talking to a tax professional, we're going to be talking about the tax consequences of several different uh, transactions that might happen over a client's lifetime uh, with real estate. But with that, Scott, welcome in. Thank you, Josh. It's glad to be back. I know I was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. So it's always good to see you. Always good to, you know, chat, catch up and, you know, talk about what's important. Absolutely. Um, Green room conversations. That's what we'll call them before we invite listeners in or are always good. So, yeah. So um, just some background on me. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Scott Schlafman. I'm a senior tax accountant at Carson Group Tax and Accounting here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, as for my background, I've got a master's of professional accountancy from Metropolitan State University of Denver. And I get, for what it's worth, I'm a CPA candidate. So hopefully later this year, I can officially be one. But for now, I'm just a candidate. Anyway, um, so we're talking real estate today. And real estate for us has been a very big topic this year. Like here in Colorado, our real estate prices have been going crazy. It seems like places are always selling for tens of thousands of dollars over what you think they should be worth. So it's very competitive. Um, and if you're a seller, it's really good for you. Um, Not like, too much on the buying end. No, no. If you're like me and you're trying to get your first house, it's a little tricky, but like, you know, you can, you can take a not great place and still make a good chunk of change on it. So um, even last year here in Colorado Springs, there was a weird scenario where this house got covered in graffiti. It got, I think they left spoiled meat in the basement and the house yeah. still hold, sold for like a half a million dollars. So it was how much did the spoiled meat go for? I I I don't know, but it's probably in my freezer somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um no, but it was yeah, it was a very weird situation. It went viral and like then once they redid the house, they sold it for eight hundred grand. So to me, that's always a very a picture of this crazy market when you can look at it and be like, this is a house no one would want. And it's still selling for half a million dollars. So, and I guess the good news with that is, like we were talking about, if you're a seller, you can make a bunch of money. The bad news is, like, are there taxes? You don't always know. That's always harder to tell from the onset. So that's kind of why we're here today is to talk about real estate and specifically residential real estate and what's going to happen once you want to sell or you know, do whatever you need to with your property. 
Yeah, and so to that end, we, we've got six scenarios, um, and I think we're, we're going to just try to keep them fairly basic and, and for easy math purposes so you can follow along since, you know, we, we don't have any illustrations. Obviously, this is an audio-only po podcast, but uh, we, we're going to have, you know, six different case studies that we're going to talk through, and, and Scott's going to walk us through what we can expect, but we'll start off with with kind of your your normal situation but Dick and Jane you know bought a home in 1995 for $450,000 they've lived in it ever since last year they sold that house for $950,000 so they can move to the good life in Texas uh to be with their grandkids cuz that's what you do um humor added here but Scott how does this affect their tax return in the coming year um, what what should they expect? Well, it's one of these situations where you can look at it as a, like on paper, it can sound very bad, but realistically, it's not going to be as bad as they probably think. So I believe the number we went with was 950000 for what they sold it for. Their original purchase price was four fifty, and that's some pretty simple math where they had a $500,000 gain. And uh, with that $500,000, you can also assume that when you get into your closing costs, things like that, probably 10% of that 950,000 number, probably 95,000 is going to be closing costs. So you take the 950 minus the original purchase price of 450 minus 10% closing costs, you get to 405, which is honestly a pretty manageable number, especially from a tax perspective. Okay. And walk us through that that further. How do you see how do you see a number like that? And then what are the tax consequences of a gain like that showing up on your on your return? I mean, you know, from your gut reaction is usually like, uh oh, oh no, I don't want that. That's four hundred thousand of capital gain. But this is a situation where the IRS is going to be very generous to Dick and Jane. Um, so if you are a single taxpayer, you're selling your primary residence, you get up to 250000 of gain to exclude. And if you're a married couple like Dick and Jane are, you can exclude up to five hundred grand of uh, of capital gains from the sale of your primary home. So this is always one of these situations where there can be some major ifs. Um, if you, we're assuming that Dick and Jane have owned their house for at least two years, used it as a primary residence for at least two of the last five. And uh, as, lo as long as you're meeting that, you can take that exclusion they don't have to include any of that $405,000 gain we came up with a minute ago. So, uh, so that's really nice for them. They don't have to worry. They just got, you know, almost a million dollars and they don't have to worry about the gain on it because it was below 500 grand and the IRS is going to let them exclude the rest of it. So, uh, and again, that's something where it's, you have to live in your house for at least two of the last five years. Um, as your primary residence. And you also, I guess the other big limitation is you can only take it every two years. So um, so that's always big, beneficial. The next big lever we probably could have pushed here, pulled here rather, 
uh, would have been improvements to the home, right? We didn't have to get there yet, but we could have gone there had we needed to, right? Um, exactly. In that situation, okay. we didn't need to, but, yep. you know. Okay. And so it's fairly straight, straightforward and, and softball introductory answer, you know, as far as like just the, the nuts and bolts of it. And in our community here in the Woodlands, I mean, there, there are, you know, very um, healthy offers being made, you know, that would be over and above even this one. So that's why I bring up the, you know, the, the basis discussion, but the next ta- or the next uh, case study that we'll look at, we'll say that, let's say in this situation that we just went through, we're going to adjust it just a bit. So let's say that Dick and Jane actually bought the home in 1985 for $100,000 and then sold the house for $950,000. You know, since they're over the $500,000 exclusion, you know, how does this change things and um, how do they go about proving their basis costs and uh, doing those types of things in a, in a transparent way for their tax return? Well, again, we're going to assume that they can, even though the gain is more than 500,000, they can still take it. I mean, we could dive into the numbers, but as we talked about, this is an audio only podcast, so I don't want to get lost in the numbers. What's important is if they have a $750,000 gain, and again, they've lived in the property for at least two of the last five years, They've owned it for at least two years. It's been their primary residence for two of the last five years. As long as they are meeting those uh, qualifications, they can still at least knock that gain down from 750000 to 250000 So worst case, hey, that's a third of your taxes. But we've also talked about basis. We've talked about basis. And basis is kind of a hard idea to really conceptualize. Like I always, when you go through accounting school, they teach you all these crazy terms and then you got to, how do they make sense in the real world? And so when I think of basis, I usually think of investment to the property. So obviously when you buy a house, your first investment in the property, it may be the land, it may be the land with a house on it. That's kind of your initial basis. And then as your as you continue to own your, own your home, you can add to that basis by making improvements that are going to extend the life of the home or add to the value of the home. So uh, examples I can think of off the top of my head, if you have an unfinished basement, you decide to invest, you know, a couple grand into, you know, refinishing the basement, however much it costs suddenly that finished basement becomes part of your basis. If you add a deck, a swimming pool, if you need to replace all the windows, all of those are improvements that are going to make your house both more valuable. It's going to make that house live longer, essentially. And so those costs can be added to your basis to help decrease that gain. And uh, on top of that, if you have any necessary sales expenses. We talked about closing expenses a few minutes ago. If the buyer of your house says, hey, I don't really like the carpet or you know, whatever changes you need to make, then you can make those changes and you can also use that to decrease the gain. Yeah. And so that becomes, you know, a, a quick equation that you need to take into consideration in your negotiation process of, you know, hey, I'm giving up some cash in the immediate future, but you know, if I if I depending on a 
a client's tax situation, it may be somewhat to their benefit to go ahead and make some of those increases to their basis to offset you know, those gains. So um, it'd definitely be something you'd want to reach out to both your accountant and your advisor uh, about in that process. Um, they can help you with that. It's always a situation where if you can keep records, I mean, it's it's always hard because I feel like we talk in this podcast about, hey, try to be forward thinking. And it's a situation where if you haven't sat down and thought, gee, what have I actually done to my house in the time I've owned it? You know, it can be a little intimidating to sit down after the fact and be like, well, you know, back in, you know, 2005, what did I do? Um, so if you can always keep records and try to remember, hey, here's what we did to the house, here's how much it cost, then that's always going to be a lot uh, that's going to be very beneficial when you try to sell the property. Um, anything else that we should consider with this this one or this particular instance before we move on to, to item number three? You know, uh, honestly, there's really not much that I think we haven't really touched on. It's really with all of these scenarios, it's going to be important. We're talking in generalities. So if you're really concerned, you know, go see, go see me, come see me, come see whoever your tax professional is. And you know, if you're really worried about that gain, they can make sure you're on the right track. That's always my biggest piece of advice with something like this. Well, that's all for today. Thank you again for joining us. We trust that you are better equipped to steward both your wealth and your financial resources. If you have questions or suggestions for a future topic, please direct those to infohouston at carsonwealth.com. May you and your family encounter truth, beauty, and goodness on the road ahead. The opinions voiced in Wisdom and Wealth with Josh Clues are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Carson Group Advanced Solutions Tax and Accounting is a separate entity from CWM LLC and is not registered to provide investment advisory services. Guests of Wisdom and Wealth are not affiliated with CWM LLC and opinions expressed may not be representative of CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Our address locally is 1780 Hughes Landing Boulevard, Suite 570, The Woodlands, Texas 77380.